Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. It's Thursday. It's quiet at the Novacare Complex. And we're all looking ahead to 2022 for the Philadelphia Eagles after Sunday's loss to Tampa Bay in the Super Wild Card Weekend NFC Playoffs. It wasn't the way the Eagles wanted to end the season. It wasn't the timing. It wasn't the performance that the Eagles wanted. But now we are looking on to 2022, and it is an extremely bright picture for the Philadelphia Eagles with 10 draft picks, nine of them in the first five rounds of the NFL Draft, which begins on April 28th. Of course, the Eagles with three selections in round one, 15, 16, and 19 overall. So we will be talking about a lot in this offseason, but it's going to feel like forever until we get some action. Um, The reality is the Combine is in early March. The draft is in late April. Free agency starts March 17th. So uh, we got a lot of stuff going on in just a short amount of time. But those two months are going to feel like forever before free agency starts. So on Wednesday, head coach Nick Sirianni, executive vice president of football operations, general manager Howie Roseman held a press conference. They talked about 2021. They talked about what's ahead in 2022. And I thought the best way to do it and kind of just read into what they said and what it means is to get some outside perspectives. The voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, and the host of Inside the Birds podcast, also a host with NFL's Sirius XM NFL Radio, Adam Kaplan, joining me to break down the presser from Roseman and Sirianni. And let's do it. We'll start with Kaplan, and then we'll go to Reese. And you'll get a sense of what they feel about how the Eagles are looking at this offseason to be. So happy to welcome in the great Adam Kaplan, host of the podcast Inside the Birds, Sirius XM NFL radio host. Adam, how are you? Um, a crazy football season. Uh, great success, and congratulations to you on the podcast. Uh, just it, before we start kind of going through the press conference, your general thoughts on how Eagles fans reacted to the season really from kind of 12 months ago to now. That's a great way to frame it, Dave. I think everything, you know, you look at, as you said last year, and all the, the turmoil of the last off season to what's been a team that's probably kind of overachieved a little bit, a little bit better than most people expected. And I, I see just the tenor and social media and the questions we get on uh, our show with uh, Jeff Mosher and I, is that I think the fans were overall um, liking that they made the playoffs happy about it and certainly not satisfied. Certainly saw a lot to improve upon. But the, the end is that they like the head coach a lot, a real lot, a, a little bit better than I probably anticipated, which is a good thing. And I think they're happy with the direction of the team. Let's go through the press conference from Wednesday with Nick and with Howie. Uh, we'll hear what they had to say and then um, some of the pieces that, uh, we want to focus on here. We'll get your perspective on what they said. Sure. All right, how he was asked early in the press conference about Jalen Rager, the 2020 number one draft pick. Here is what Howie had to say about Rager. Yeah, certainly as we head into year three, um, you expected more uh, from Jalen at this point. We had a chance to sit down with him 
uh, after the season and had an honest conversation about the things that he needs to develop and the things that we can help him develop um, to continue his growth um, in terms of, of learning from um, anything, you know, that we have to do that. We have to continue to evolve. We kind of have to look at not only the things that um, maybe we don't like about our decision-making, not just talking about Jalen in this situation, but talking about as a whole, but also the things that we did well. And I think that's part of, of continuing to grow in your job and in your profession. Adam, the Eagles expect growth from Rager. Your thoughts heading into year three with Jalen Rager? Yeah, I would liken this to the situation with Nelson Aguilar some years ago. Dave, you, you remember that very vividly, I'm sure. Uh, First-round pick, like Jalen Rager, a lot was expected of of that particular player. Didn't, Eagles didn't really get it. And there's a, there's a term that I've always used when, when players struggle, and a lot of us in life when we're not doing well, sometimes it's getting out of our own way. And I think that with Rager as a, as a performer on the field, just the approach has to be better. He's got to be better. We saw some good things in training camp. As a rookie, we definitely saw some flashes of really good play, but he, kept, you know, he had two significant injuries. And 2021 was supposed to be that growth year. We didn't see it. That's on him. Like you, you can't point the finger at the coaches. They, they can only do so much. In the end, the player's got to get it, and he's got to have a f- fantastic offseason to really mature in this offense. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, then, then immediately after that, Howie was asked this question. Uh, with the three first-round ba- uh, draft picks, there has not been an off-ball linebacker taken in 40 years. Kerry Robinson <laughs> was the last one yeah. um, in the first round. A, a quarterback hasn't been taken in 20 years. Um, in the first round, that's not a cornerback in 20 years in the first round, and a safety has never been picked in the first round. This is what Howie had to say term, in terms of the strategy towards positional value. Yeah, I think I was very fortunate to start my career working with a Hall of Fame coach, and, and he always talked about the fact that we're, we have to be extensions of the coaching staff. You know, if if there's not a fit, if there's not a vision, if we're drafting players who don't fit the particular scheme of our coaching staffs, these players aren't going to be able to develop into the players that we want them to be. So I think everything's about communication. Everything's about vision from the coaching staff. Um, Coach and his staff do a tremendous job before we acquire any player of saying, um, and here's how we see him fit. Uh, I could even see Coach, you know, turn around a notebook paper and saying, and here's how we see him fit. And I think that just makes our, our job easier to be able to have that vision and understand um, when we're watching them on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays or I guess Tuesdays this year, um, what it's going to look like and down on the field and having everyone on the same page. So, Adam, uh, Howie says he's open to anything. They never go into a draft saying, no, we're not going to do that. Um, your thoughts on having picks 15, 16, 19, we don't know what the Eagles are going to do right now. That's yeah. going to be the big story of the offseason. Um, but, but would you rule out them taking a linebacker or a cornerback or a safety? Hey, Dave, first of all, I'm old enough to remember Jerry Robinson, number 56, who, was, who came yeah, from UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Dick Vermeule knew him very well, obviously. Uh, but fast-forwarding it 41 years, or 42 years, as the case may be, it, it would shock me if they, they took a linebacker in round one. It, a pure linebacker. I'm not talking about a hybrid player, you know, Michael Parsons, pass rusher guy. I'm talking about a pure linebacker. It's just not what they've done. It's not the organizational belief. They, they, their resources have not gone into linebacker for, for – for better or worse, that's just not the way they believe they build their salary cap or uh, their roster uh, fulfillment. That's just not the way they look at it. Uh, you know, safety is another one, you know, by the way. That you, you, know, you mentioned linebacker. That's another one where they don't typically look at safety very early. 
They did many years ago with Jaquan Jarrett. That didn't work out so well. But linebacker, it's something they have to look at it fairly early. I Just to answer your question, I don't think it'll be in round one based on the way the organization looks at that position. So you don't think there's any flexibility in their mind um, set? And given the way that the league has changed, I mean, it's about spreading out the defense. It's about being sure. really athletic. And there, and there are some very good prospects. There's, there's that phrase in the National Football League, never say never. And you just said it. If, if by chance they keep the free first-round picks, I don't think they'll do that. I, I, you know, uh, Harry Roseman did say, look, he opened it up to potentially trading down and getting more picks you know, for the next season. There's nothing wrong with doing that if, if, you're, if you don't like who's there on, the, on your board. But, again, just to summarize this so we can move on, it's just not the way that they build their football team. You never say never. And I think people would probably fall over with a feather if they, they took a linebacker. They'd be happy. Because you make a great point, Dave, the league has changed now. You need coverage linebackers. But you know what? That doesn't mean you can't get that guy in the third round, and that's the point. Okay. Then later in the press conference, Nick was asked about the group of wide receivers as a whole, and he spoke very enthusiastically and very positively about the wide receiver group. Let's hear from Nick Sirianni here. Yeah, I feel, I feel really good about the wide receiver group uh, as a whole. Um, I think you have a, a number one guy um, in in Devonte Smith. You know, I think he's a I think he's a number one receiver. You know, and he's and he's continuing to get better. Um, why do I think he's a number one receiver? Because he can consistently win one on one. He can he can get the ball into his hands and make plays with the with the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, maybe on some short uh, a short pass. Uh, he catches everything right. His competitive his competitive nature. So I think that. There's not a lot of true number one receivers in the NFL, and I think uh, we have one um, that is going to continue to get better. Um, and and then I look at uh, Quez Watkins as you know he's our he's our number two wide receiver, and he's got big time speed. Um, he he has a knack to make plays. Um, of course, you always want to get you know the the style of offense that we played this year. Um, you know didn't allow for Quez to get as many touches as he probably deserves. Um, but, you know, we did everything we could do to win each and each an individual game. And so Quez has big play ability in him. And, and I think out of the number two wideouts I've been in around in the NFL, he, he can be one of the best two number twos that I've been around in the NFL because of, you know, because of his skill set and because of his ability to make, the pl- make plays. I think a lot of us talk about Jalen Hurts and his ability to just be very steady. Quez Watkins is very, and that's a that's a that's a, um, a a trait that we all value in in Jalen Hurts. Quez Watkins is the same way. Like he's not going to get too up. He's not going to get too down. Uh, you know, throughout the the course of a game, throughout the course of a year, I'm really pleased with him. And the and gosh, like to have two guys like that that you really trust and you really are scheming to to open to try to make plays. You know, that's a bit, that's a big, uh, that's a big positive, Um, you know, and then, you know, Jalen, Jalen Rager, we want uh, more production from Jalen Rager and he has all the talent to do so. Um, So I like, you know, I like him in that, that number three spot right now to, to be able to make plays because I, he has skill, he has talent. It's our job as coaches to get that skill and that talent out of him. And so it produces on the field and it's our job as coaches um, to, 
you know, put him in position to succeed. And that's a two-way street. I, I'm not, I, I'm not by any means saying I'm taking the, all the blame or all the credit or whatever it is, right? And because it's a two-way street, and Jalen's got to make the plays when when the opportunity arises. But he does have extreme talent um, that. You know, for a number, what we're what we're considering a number three receiver that, to be able to make plays, and then, you know, I really valued um, Greg Greg Ward's uh, contribution to the to the group, of and and I can't say enough good things about Greg Ward, like. He's a he's the, he's one of the main leaders on this team. He's a one and one of the main leaders in that wideout room, um, and it's through example of how he how he kind of goes about his business. Um, you know, for a guy to have whatever fifty or sixty catches that he had last year, and then take a a little bit step back of the role that he had this year, but still be able to lead, that speaks volumes to what kind of person Greg Ward is. And you and each room needs a leader in that in that aspect. Um, and then you always need, again, like we're kind of having this conversation, ask me about wideouts and we're kind of painting the picture the same way Howie and I would talk about it. Like, what do you need for the room? And you know, you have that blocking element of, of JJ, uh, JJ did a really good job in his role this year of our, of our enforcer of our guy that would go out and get blocks when we needed him to, to pave the way for the number one rush offense in the NFL. Um, and I don't want to say pave the way. We know our offensive line and our tight ends and our backs pave the way. But that is a very under um, appreciated position in the blocking wide receiver because those sometimes spring five yard runs where the, uh, to fifteen yard runs or twenty yard runs or eight yard runs into twenty eight yard runs. And so I'm I'm pleased with this group um, again. You're not going to have the same statistical output when they're this type type of offense that we were this year. But I am very pleased with this group, and I know that this is this is a good group. Are we always going to look to add talent to the group and, and and playmakers to the group? Of course. But I like where we sit right now as the wide receiver group, and I and I think we can continue to grow at that group because of the guys we have, the talent that we have, and the guys that we have in that room. Adam, you heard that. It's Nick High on the wide receivers. Your thoughts on this group? Well, first of all, I was uh, I didn't know what to make of Quest Watkins as his number two receiver. I mean, that's the way they ended the season. And you mentioned his enthusiasm, the unbridled enthusiasm uh, about uh, Quest Watkins as one of the better number twos in the NFL. I mean, okay. I mean, he's the one who's coaching them. Nick has a wide receiver background. Uh, but they they need to get better. They need they need uh, more playmakers. They need a guy with size. Uh, something I talked about on our show inside the birds before the season started. They really lack size at that position. They lack experience. There's nothing wrong with going a bunch of younger players, but you definitely would like to, particularly based on lack of overall development of this position. You love to have someone who's been there and done it before. You know, like an Anquan Bolden type, Mohamed Sanu. Now, you don't need anyone to come and catch 70 balls. You just need someone who's done it before and a proven guy who's a leader also, and that would certainly help that room. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, I, I, and I don't know the list, but I, I asked somebody that, not with the team, but just having a conversation about free agency and wide receivers, and the list they gave me was really underwhelming in terms of veteran free agents potentially on the market this year. Adam, it sounds great to go add a veteran, but is there going to be any quality there? Right. Well, Alan Robinson's guy I've, I've talked about on SiriusXM for years. Really big fan of his. Uh, you know, he's a guy that um, we have to see what the Bears' new regime wants to do their front office, whether they want to bring him back or not. You know, unfortunately, 
He had a significant hamstring injury. He was he was he he was unable to play for a while. But the guy's a proven proven player. He's got good size of six two. Uh, I know the Bears. I know talking to them, they were considering moving him to the slot because they think he's outstanding in a short area, not as fast downfield. But a guy who's been there, done it before, and sets a good example for the younger players. It doesn't have to be again, Dave, to move on here. It doesn't have to be a guy who's going to catch a hundred balls. It's just a guy that you trust, good for the room, and sets the right example. Okay. Uh, later in the press conference, Howie was asked about Fletcher Cox, uh, whose name came up during the trade deadline and trade rumors. Howie addressed those rumors, and he addressed Fletcher and the defensive tackle position. Well, I think, first of all, you know, it's our job to, to listen to everything um, and to see if there are ways to improve our team. And uh, obviously, Fletcher's a great player. And, um, you know, teams where we were at the deadline uh, were making calls. And for us, uh, it's important. Our priorities are always going to be along the line of scrimmage. And obviously, like having him and, and um, Hargrave and, and, you know, do you see the growth from Milton uh, inside? You know, that's a huge part uh, of our defense and a huge part of our priorities. And so, you know, just like Coach said, uh, we communicate with our players. Um, they know when, when things are going on, we'll be honest. We have honest communication. And so Fletch knew what was going on. Uh, we communicated with him. And, um, you know, he's a guy that uh, was a big part of the success that we had uh, down the stretch. And uh, he can continue to take over games and be an incredible player, you know, um, and we expect more from that going forward. Okay, Adam, Fletcher Cox, where do you see him fitting in in 2022? It's a great question. It's certainly, if you put together one of the top five questions for this team, it's, I would say, within the top five. You know, players, once they get in their 30s, you know, they're not getting better. They're, they're, they're not what they once were. And Fletcher Cox, I don't think, uh, if anyone is being honest about it, is the same player he once was. But I like, to, I, I like that he got better in Gannon's scheme. I, I like um, how Gannon and Cox talk about their relationship and how they work together. They found a way to make it work. And uh, Gannon, Jonathan Gannon needs to get credit for being open to moving him around. You know, in the, the game against the Bucks. Some unique stuff where they they stood him up, um, which is something they really haven't done before uh, inside the really in the middle like that. That was cool. Tom Brady had not seen that before. That was a good unscattered look, like that. But you know, overall, uh, you just have to ask yourself with it. He's a major cap number. He's got two years left, signed through twenty three, based on his latest renegotiation, which I think was in September of last year. I think this is what to keep an eye on. Uh, I definitely do. And then the other thing is, by the way. When you see a guy like Milton Williams, just, I mean, my goodness gracious, Dave, he, you don't want to go too crazy here, but he was so good the second half of the season. He, he gradually got more playing time. You want to get him on the field, and that's another, another thing that plays into this, to this Fletcher Cox decision. Okay, how, uh, how he was asked later, this is the last one from the press conference, um, he was asked about what he learned about Nick Sirianni during the second half turnaround. This is what Howie had to say. Yeah, I, I think Nick is the same guy every day, you know, and no matter what happened, um, he, he loves to coach this football team. He's got an incredible passion for his job. Um, he's an incredible leader, you know, his messaging to the teams, you know, some of those things that you think you know when you're interviewing someone, but you don't really get until you're part of it um, were incredible. Uh, he's got great communication skills. And, and I know, you know, he, he would say this, that he's still developing, you know, he's, he's going to get better and better as he sees more things and more experience. I feel really fortunate to have the opportunity to work with him and, um, you know, excited about doing whatever I can to help him have success. Well, 
Adam, what did you learn about Nick Sirianni during the second half turnaround and the whole season, if you take it just in context? Very impressive. They're down, they're, they've got a two and five record. You know, people are making fun of him about the you know the planting the seeds and all that. I, I, he just he stays true to who he is. I, you know, talking to guys who work with him in Indy, this guy he 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 is what you think he is. He's got a ton of energy. He, he's got a ton of passion for the job. He's a great teacher, great motivator, and he he puts players and coaches on notice. He coaches his coaches, and he coaches his players hard, and that's what they need, and that's what they want. Dave, you saw the training camp. Guy, the guy's going to get in your face if he thinks he needs to. And he never wavered when they're 2-5. and five. I mean, that's what you have to do if you're going to turn around your first season as a professional head coach. And I give the guy credit, and he never rested on his laurels. And the big thing here, and I, I cannot give him more credit, I mean, just really – I never thought he'd swallow his pride and, and, and make them a turn this into a running offense. So there was nothing David suggested he'd be willing to do that, and he deserves a, t- a ton of credit because they had no chance to make the playoffs if he did not do that, and he deserves major kudos. Adam, we're going to hear from Merrill in just a bit uh, on some of the other topics that were discussed from the press conference. I wonder, I've termed this that the Eagles are going into the offseason here in a position of strength. Um, Obviously, 10 draft picks in the first five rounds. I'm sorry, nine, nine draft picks in the first five rounds, 10 picks total, 15, 16, and 19 overall. Can you explain what you think the significance of that is? And as you know it, what is the cap situation for the Eagles? The projected 2022 salary cap, I believe, is around $208 million. So are the Eagles, in fact, playing from a position of strength in this offseason? Yeah, the, you know they they took the Carson Wentz cap hit, obviously the dead money hit of over thirty four million. That's why they were light in free agency. I expect to be more aggressive in free agency this time around. Uh, their final calculations and their carryover, they're gonna they're gonna be. Let's just put it this way: they're gonna be in good shape and they'll have maneuverability. But I think Harry Rosen would tell you: you can never build your your team through free agency. You supplement with it. You build through for, through the draft. And I expect them to do that. They, they still. The, the good thing is they've got significantly younger. Well, they were going to do that without Jason Peters. We have to understand that. Uh, we'll see what happens with Fletcher Cox, who would make this an even younger team. But they have so many needs, Dave. That's the thing. Let's be honest about it. They have a lot of needs on both sides of the football. The good thing is you've got a good coaching staff, and I thought the player development was good. I thought it definitely. You, you saw some guys develop. I mentioned Milt Williams, which was a which was a huge story. Um, you saw the development on the offensive line and Jordan Mylotta, my goodness gracious, and all the all the young players uh, that we didn't know a lot about. Jack Driscoll unfortunately got hurt, but he's a player. And you just build around that. There's certain free agents I'm sure they'll look at in certain positions. They always get involved in it. Uh, last year, to a lesser degree, they didn't. They just didn't have the cap, salary cap space. But they'll they'll do what they need to do. I wouldn't worry about that. I, I've always told fans that sometimes we make too much of the the cap issue. Last year, for the first time in Howie Roseman's career, it was an issue. It will not be this time around. Adam, thank you. It's it's mid well, it's late January now, and and I can't wait for March to get here. I can't either, Dave. I, I look forward to getting on the road for the Senior Bowl and all sorts of other things as we go forward here. All right, that was Adam Kaplan. Now let's hear from Merrill Reese about some of the particulars of the press conference. Merrill Reese, thanks so much for joining me here. Um, how are you doing? First of all, have you recovered from the loss on Sunday? I know. It takes a while. Yeah, it always takes a while. After every football season, there's a void in my life. I love what I do. I love Eagles football and NFL football so much. And there's a, a big, big void. One year, one year I spent the postseason writing a book just to keep myself amused and entertained. But uh, 
Now I'm just getting over it. I'm still very much into the NFL playoffs. I'm watching some college basketball, and I'm waiting for the bad weather to go away and get out onto the golf course. Do you have a pick as to who will win the Super Bowl, Merrill? Yeah, I do. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's you know I have a lot. I have a lot of friends in this thing, as we all do, who have been around for a long time. But the the guy I would like to see, and I love Andy Reid, you know that. But the guy I'd like to see win at this time because he never won one is Sean McDermott, and I love the way Buffalo is playing. And I think the winner of the Kansas City Buffalo game on Sunday night is going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think the Packers win it. Okay. You are on the record now. Okay, so on Wednesday, Merrill, um, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni held a press conference, end of year, end of 2021 press conference. I'd love to go through a few of the talking points and takeaways from what they said with you and get your reaction. And let's begin at the very top. It didn't take long for Roseman to be asked about the quarterback position, and he emphatically endorsed Jalen Hurts. And we talk about Jalen and the growth he had uh, really First-year starter, second-year player, uh, leading this team to the playoffs. Um, tremendously impressed by his work ethic, his leadership. We talked the last time we talked was during camp, and we said we wanted to see him take the bull by the horn, and uh, he certainly did that. And then later in the press conference, Merrill, Nick talked about the development that Hertz made and obviously was very pleased with that development. Let's hear from Nick right now. Yeah, you take everything into account, and nothing in the NFL is a given. Um, I think we've see, we see that all over the NFL. Or, you know, like nothing, nothing's a given. You got to come out and ready to play each and every week, no matter who you're playing, no matter what their record is, because anybody can be anybody at any time in this league. And and so you take in count, you take into account the whole body of work, right? And you don't, you know, like you don't you don't just count Jalen's game against. Uh, the the Giants, as we all know, that he, he we've already discussed what we felt like and what he what he felt like of how he, we played in that game. You take the account the the entire body of work, and so um, you know I'm pleased with the way he he developed as a as a um, as a passer as a quarterback. Um, I think again we've seen so many things that he that he got better at, um, you know, and that and that goes into you know Jalen. First of all, first and foremost, Jalen and the football character that he has, the the desire and the want to of how badly this guy wants to be a um, elite, elite, elite player in this league. And then you take into account you know Shane Steichen, who's a great offensive coordinator, and Brian Johnson, a phenomenal quarterback coach, and our offensive staff. Put, you know, doing you know everything they need to do to to get Jalen ready to play. So a lot of a lot of factors go into why Jalen got better as a as a passer, starting with Jalen first. Um, but you saw him de- develop as, again when he wasn't able to um, have that ability to run as 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 hard or as hard as uh, effective with the ankle. You know, the three of the you know three of his last four games he played you know a, over a hundred quarterback rating there. Um, you know, you saw him develop in the, in the sense of, you know, early in the year when, when he had to extend a play, it was a run later in the year. And I I always, I felt like we, we just had to continue to get better in our scramble drills. He became a passer as he extended plays that really helped us uh, down the stretch there. So just really pleased with how he's developed as, as our quarterback. And, uh, again, you just don't, you just don't take into account, um, 
you know, a game in, a, in the playoffs. You, you, you look at it, it counts, obviously, right? It was just, you know, even more so. But, you know, you look at, you look at the whole body of work, and as, as the whole body of work, we're very pleased of where he is and where he's going to be. Okay, Merrill, your reaction to uh, what they said and your thoughts on Jalen? I was very pleased to hear both Howie and Nick act very positively about Jalen Hurts. I have not vacillated on Jalen Hurts. I've seen the highs. I've seen the lows. But what I see is a talented athlete with more arm talent than he's given credit for, yet there are areas that he has to continue to develop. If you notice, the three young quarterbacks, none of the three young quarterbacks did well in the playoff game. I'm not talking about, of course, Joe Burrow, but I'm talking about Kyler Murray, in his playoff game, I'm talking about uh, Mac Jones in his playoff game. And, of course, I'm talking about Jalen Hurts. There's a lot to learn. It isn't an easy, it's the toughest position in all of sports, and I think it takes development. But I think his arm, I've said this to you many times, his arm strength is not a problem. He's got a strong arm. There are mechanics that they've got to continue to work on work on his accuracy, work on how he sees the field when he releases the ball. But these are all things that a dedicated professional who is as hard a worker and has a passion for the game and has the intelligence to put it all together like Jalen Hurts will be able to overcome. I think he's going to continue to grow. I think we are only seeing the surface of how good Jalen Hurts can become. I think the teams that are constantly trying this quarterback and saying, well, we missed here. Let's go with this guy or let's trade with this guy. Uh, they, I, I call it the quarterback carousel. Those teams continue to fail. You have been very consistent. I will agree with that in your appreciation for what Jalen does. So you are correct there. Merrill, later in the press conference, how he was asked about the, how you would kind of term this offseason. Now, we remember Jeffrey Lurie said it was a year ago, a transition period for the Eagles when the Eagles dismissed Doug Peterson. How he was asked about comparing uh, uh, building, is this a building stage now? Is this a contending team now? How do you view the offseason and the stage the team is in now? Here's what Howie had to say. I have spent a lot of time thinking about some of our off-seasons and those transitions. And, you know, some of the years where I thought maybe um, we needed a specific role or player to, to push us over, you know, when we had made the playoffs and maybe lost in the playoffs. And some of the maybe mistakes for overvaluing that particular skill set um, as opposed to really keeping building the team and getting players that fit the scheme, fit the, the, the culture that we're trying to build here and just really good players. And, you know, I think until you're really talking about a team that, that is hosting home playoff games and getting the one and two seeds, um, you're in building mode, you know, and I think that uh, that's where we are right now. Um, again, going back to just uh, for me today, today is a symbolic day. You know, I don't know that Bob set the press conference today because I felt that way. But um, in terms of, of sitting down with coach for the first time and then where we are a year later and um, we knew we had things that we had to do to build um, at that time when we sat down. And I think it gives us the opportunity with some of the assets that we've acquired over the last year to continue to build and and also look at our team and, and think that there are uh, good players here, you know, good players that that help us uh, get to the playoffs. So right there, he said it, uh, a building mode, Merrill. Um, 
your thoughts on that, and is, is that how you look at this roster? I do. I, I think it's it's a good roster in certain areas. I think they've got depth in certain areas, but I still think they have deficiencies. So it is a it is a roster that that has to be strengthened, has to be bolstered. It is still a building off season for the Eagles. It's not just a a player here and a player there. I think you'll probably see the same thing you see in many seasons, where almost a third of the team changes from year to year. But I will tell you this. I think this is a good enough team right now with a good coaching staff, a young quarterback on the rise, that we can be enthusiastic looking ahead to the 2022 season. I think they can make a run for the playoffs again, and I think they can be a more solid playoff team than they were this year. This year, uh, I, I hate to say it, but really they were a product of the expanded playoff system. But I think next year they can be a kind of, a kind of playoff team that can be expected to win some games. Whether or not we're talking about a legitimate Super Bowl contender, that remains to be seen. But in 2017, going into that season, we weren't talking about a Super Bowl contender, and look what happened. It was also interesting, Merrill, that, and you mentioned the, the playoffs and the new configuration. It will be interesting to see only one, only one team gets a bye. Um, if those teams Green Bay in the NFC, Tennessee in the AFC reach the Super Bowl because that buy and that, that that is what both Nick and Howie said that getting that buy weekend is what they covet so much. Yes, uh, that is something that helps. And and the other thing they talked about is having a home playoff game, and that was something that worked so well for the Eagles when they were home for the game against Atlanta and home for the game against Minnesota, and then boom off to the Super Bowl. So it is a big advantage, no doubt about that. And then, Merrill, uh, how he was asked about to, to share the evaluation, his evaluation of the arc of the season, balancing the second-half improvement against the strength of schedule, and did anything surprise him? This is what he had to say. Um, you know, I'm just really proud of our coaches and our players and really the whole building sticking together. Um, obviously, during a season, you're going to have adversity. Um, I don't think anyone uh, flinched during that time of adversity. Um, we knew this season uh, was going to be some highs and some lows. I think we felt that during training camp that we were kind of trying to figure out our identity, our personnel, um, and Coach did an amazing job with that. So really proud of him and his staff. Um, and the communication that they had throughout that process. And at the same time, you know, um, like I said, Bo, like we, we have to continue to build. Um, we know that we have to get to a certain level uh, to be a team that has a bye, that has home playoff games, and, you know, eventually competes to win a world championship. And so I think that um, certainly not satisfied with where we are. We know we, there's a lot of work to do. Um, and we started that. We started that during the season uh, by resigning our own free agents, which is a huge part of free agency is to keep your own players, uh, the guys that you know, you know their work ethic, you know their fit. Uh, and we did that to kind of get a head start and a kick start into the season. But there's a lot of work to be done and, and excited about the opportunity ahead. Merrill, it was indeed an up and down season for the Eagles. As you look back on it, how do you kind of uh, put it in perspective? Well, I, I think we saw a lot of growth, uh, both in the quarterback both in uh, the way that Nick Sirianni reached a comfort level with the media and with the fans and certainly with his players, you can see the respect grow for Nick Sirianni. Any new coach has to come in and win his team, unless he's a coach who has a, a vast 
long record of experience of a veteran coach who's won someplace else. But here's a first-time head coach, and it's tough to go in and, and talk to football players who are, are have seen a lot of things. You're talking about players who have seen tough and, and successful college coaches along the way, other members of the team who have worked with Doug Peterson when he took this team to the Super Bowl. He's got to win their respect, and I think the biggest thing is that Nick certainly did that. The media would laugh by some of his methods, but of course the biggest day came when he talked about the plant and the roots, but everything went over with this team. This team wasn't laughing at him. This team was growing in the way that they treated him and looked at him, and his sense of authority was really, really special. I think Nick Sirianni has the kind of presence that is going to serve this team well for a long time. Does he remind you in any way, Merrill, of any past Eagles head coaches, whether it's Dick Vermeil, whether it's Ray Rhodes, whether it's uh, Doug Peterson, whether it's Andy Reid? I just think that, that his energy and his passion and the way he always seems up, he's, he's indefatigable. There's nothing that knocks him off course reminds me of a young Dick Vermeil his passion for the game, his enthusiasm, and the way day in and day out, he seems very, very positive. I've never seen him hang his head. He bounces back every single day. Merrill, another uh, topic here, Brandon Graham, how he was asked about the team's plans for Brandon Graham, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, we miss BG. Uh, we miss BG, the player, um, and there, there's nobody who can replace BG, the person, the leader that he is as well. And um, we know he's gonna—he's attacking this rehab. We see him every day around here, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. And he, um, we do see a role for him going forward, um, and we're excited to get him back next year. He—he's a huge part of our football team. Merrill, what what loss? How much of a loss was it when when Brandon went down? You know, we're, we're around him a lot. Can you kind of just describe what he means to everybody? And then what do you see for him moving forward? Well, I, I think Howie um, said it best when he talked about missing Brandon Graham, not only on the field and his leadership and his performance, but off the field because he is the best leader on this team. I mean, he is somebody who ignites this team. He's just, he such, has such a wonderful presence. When people often ask me, who was your favorite Eagle of all time? Uh, there are, it's, 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 you can't say who is because there are so many over the years, but certainly in that group of, of most special people is Brandon Graham. Graham, what, what Brandon Graham has meant to this franchise is unbelievable. And everybody would like to see Brandon Graham back, but we have to wait and see how much the surgery took out of Brandon Graham. If he can come back at full strength, I think he could be good to go for another couple of years. And then, Merrill, finally for us here, um, Nick was asked about what he would like to see different next year from this year. And he spoke about the fast starts. And anyway, here's, here's what Nick had to say about that. Good answer. Yeah, I mean, I think you, not, you never want to put yourself in a hole, right, and where you're two and five to start things off. You want to start off – you want to start off, you know, better than what we started off. Um, but you see, a, you see around the league all the time where, where teams, you know, m- maybe maybe start off quick and then fade off. So I think what's important and, what, and where I'm happy with this team is that it, this team did get a little bit better each week. 
um, where we were playing our better football later in the year. So, you know, that, you know, starting off fast and that, and like, you know, we didn't start off fast the last month of the season as far as, as a team. And, and, and sometimes it was the offense not starting fast. And sometimes it was the defense not starting fast in a game. Um, and so, you know, that, that's the main thing that, you know, you, you want that to be consistent throughout the year, the starting fast, staying fast, um, you know, so you can accomplish what, how he was just talking about getting a, a home playoff game and, 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 and having the, the, our great fans at, at our game, and, you know, we know we had great support at, even we had great support at Tampa, but it's, it's so much nicer to play here. And so the, the, the getting off to a good start, um, you know, not just being one and all, but getting off to that good start in that first quarter of the season, I think is really important, but staying, staying there and staying the course, which I know we did throughout this year of, Hey, it started slow, but the, the course was this still throughout the entire year. I think that's what the best teams in this league do. They do this throughout the entire year. So starting fast, but continue, but also staying in that, that upward trajectory uh, of that, I think, you know, obviously we'll, then, then we can do what our goals are is to win the division, right? And, and to get into, you know, to get a home playoff game to, to make, some, say, make some noise there. How about for you, Merrill? What would you like to see differently with this team in 2022? Well, I totally agree with Nick. He'd like to see a better start to the season, and he would like to see better starts to the games. This team was always, it always seemed to be getting off the slow starts even against against the uh, the lesser opponents late in the season, they were spotting them ten points or so, and then digging their way back. And uh, that's not the kind of formula that you're going to be successful with over the long haul. So I do want to see this team bounce back more quickly. Now, on a personal note, as, as and I felt this from the very beginning, Dave. I think one of the areas that would contribute to this, one of the changes that would contribute to this, I would like to see the regular players have more activity, more game time in the preseason. I would like to see Jalen Hurts have in a three-game preseason, I would like to see him play a half, a half, and a quarter. I'd like to see him get five quarters of practice in the preseason games. And I know they spoke about the dual workouts that they had in the training camp sessions with New England and with the Jets. I really believe that only a game gets you ready for a game. They will. Those sessions are valuable in developing the team, but I think well, young players on this team need more preseason game action. I'm not saying be ridiculous with them. Don't play them four quarters. Don't play them full games, but get them in and let them grow during the preseason. I think if they have five, the, the, the most of the regulars, I, I'm not talking about, say, a Jason Kelsey. Hopefully he comes back. But I'm talking about most of these young players. If they get sufficient activity, game action in the preseason, I think this team will get off to a better start. Now, they got off to a great start in Atlanta, but then be a blink, then they were two and five. So I honestly believe that's something that they need. Whether or not the administration, whether or not uh, Nick agrees with that, that's another thing. But that's just my read on it. Interesting. Merrill, what, what are your major storylines for the offseason? Mainly the draft. I, I think the major the major storyline was um, set forward by Nick and by Howie yesterday in the fact that it was one that I was really hoping for in that Jalen Hurts is their man going forward. But I think the major storyline is where they go in this draft, and it's a bigger storyline than it's been 
maybe ever, because they have three first-round draft picks. Love it. Merrill, thank you so much. And enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Can't wait to get back to football, Eagles football, and it's going to be coming soon. And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks again for joining. Of course, as always, we appreciate your support. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Ray Doyle, Julie McLaughlin for their work on this podcast. Everyone hang in there. We've got more playoffs coming up here in the NFL. And um, we've got a very exciting offseason to talk about. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go Birds! E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!